This morning, I want to speak to you. I don't have many notes. I just have like barely over one page of notes where I normally have about three. But how many know that doesn't mean anything? That means it's probably going to be the longest sermon I've ever preached. Um, I'm kidding. But I don't, this is kind of an unorthodox, I don't have three points. Um, I do have a main text, but um, I, I feel like I want to address you coming out of Kairos. And if I have to give this a title this morning, I would give it this, swept clean, in order, filled with the Holy Spirit, and rooted, post-Kairos. And so I want to speak to you as a pastor. I feel like this is a, a family meeting, and the Ramseys throughout the years, several times a year, we, we all would gather and we would process together. And so as your pastor, that's what I want to do this morning. And um, just in review, how many of you know that we heard four amazing sermons this week that the Holy Spirit just, it was really incredible. Pastor Javon last Sunday night talked to us about the fact that seeking is the currency of God. And he gave us the story of the prodigal that when the prodigal decided to not run away from God, but he turned and started walking to God. God started running to him. God's pace to get to us when we start seeking him is faster than our pace to get to him. Monday night, we, we heard another great sermon from a rated R story in Genesis 38 about Tamar. And um, we learned that Tamar means palm, like palm tree. And Pastor Jeremy talked to us about the fact that we need to declare that we are not going to be people who quit. We're not going to stop throwing the towel and quit. How many of you say, That's, I've made that declaration, I'm not going to quit. And um, his first point had to do with palm trees. And immediately sitting right there, I had weather.com. Tornado video footage come into my mind where the winds begin to blow and those tornado, those uh, palm trees been way over here. And he said, but a palm tree has an amazing ability to pop back up. And um, that was the first thing. And Tamar learned to pop back up. And then secondly, he talked about the fact that if you can get to Judah, Judah means praise. If in your storm you can pop back up and turn it into praise, then you will get double for your trouble. Come on, somebody. Tuesday night, Bishop Kevin Wallace, he preached like a man from another planet. And he talked to us about Bartimaeus and Elisha's servant, two classic stories. And he said, sometimes what you can see in the natural will inhibit or di discourage you about what you need to see. And he talked to us about the fact that we need to learn how to see the things God wants to show us. And that was a fantastic sermon. And then I'll be doggone if Pastor Tim Delina didn't come in on Wednesday night and preach one of the greatest messages I've ever heard on prayer. In fact, one of the greatest messages I've ever heard, period. And I just want to encourage you. I haven't listened to all four of them over yet, but three of them I have. My first one was Pastor's, Pastor Tim's message on Wednesday night. How many of you will say, you'll never forget that sermon? And if you weren't here, and I know many weren't for various reasons, no judgment, but do yourself a favor. I, I, we, we listened to it on the way up to Gainesville. I did. Friday night, and I just started weeping. It was in my, Candace was in the passenger seat. I had it in my AirPod, and I just started weeping again. I said, honey, this thing's like lasagna. It tastes better the next day. And how many of you know that good Italian food? It does that. Spaghetti's way better two months after it's been sitting in the refrigerator. <laughs> and it's got a little penicillin on it, amen? <laughs> but he preached on what happens between ask and receive and he said you're on a journey God put you on a journey a journey to maturity 
so that you're mature enough to receive what you ask for. Because if you're not, it could destroy you, your marriage, your family. And then he said the second thing. I, I will never forget this. I, I, I about exploded halfway through the analogy when I realized where he was going. He said, God has to do 10,000 things to answer your prayer. And he talked about just the fact that banks had the audacity to pray, God, give us a word tonight. And all that God had to put Pastor Tim through to get him here to answer Banks' selfish prayer for God to speak to us. What a week, brothers and sisters. And as your pastor, I, I just, I can't say enough. Pastors don't have revival weeks. Last year we did Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And we thought, we'll dip our toe into it. Hopefully, hopefully people will come on the end of the week. And this year we said, you know what? We need four days. And we're like, four days? And I will tell you, four days is a lot longer than three days. Trust me, the staff felt it. But man, were we renewed. But I, I just celebrate the fact that you were here. You should see the video at 6.30 when the doors open. People running to get a seat like they were seeing some Broadway show or something. Fighting each other and then praying and God helping them make up because they had to sit beside each other during the service. Fighting over the seat. That's not far from the truth, you know. But to see North Atlanta people at 5.45, waiting 45 minutes till the doors open up. You're part of a special move of God. And I cannot tell you how honored, what a joy it is for Candace and I to get to serve. I, I know there are a lot of pastors and there are a lot of great churches. But man, no pastor is enjoying or loving his people more than we are. Y'all are a wonderful, hungry group of people. I, I, every one of those pastors, it started with Pastor Javon. I shared some of this, I think, Wednesday night. He sat with tears in his eyes last Sunday night at midnight telling us that, he said, Pastor Chuck, I don't covet. He said, but I will tell you, I sat on that front row and I told God, this is what I want my church to be. Free chapel, Spartanburg. We saw him Friday night at a women's conference. His wife was speaking. We were over in Athens. We were in the green room with him. He said, Pastor Chuck, he said, our whole staff meeting all day Monday was me telling them about restoration and how we want to become more like restoration. And so we all know it. We don't take it for granted. And Jesus is our, the one we worship. But boy, it sure is good to be a part of a spiritual family that's alive. Man, I just, I just feel that we should be so grateful to God. My, my son lives, my oldest son lives up in Chattanooga and for years they've been looking for a church and just struggling. And he said, dad, I'm just, restoration has ruined it for Bethany and me because there's no restoration. And I'm like, well, there are homes available in North Atlanta. Come buy one of those. <laughs> Amen. And so this morning, I think I have four different either scriptures or passages. And I want to talk to you about just how do we move forward? What do you need? And um, Candace, the Flourish Conference, they're working on, and I'm, I'm so excited that they're going to be dealing with the subject, subject rooted, getting grounded, getting rooted. And the, the two verses that are the verses for Flourish Ministry come from Psalm 92, one of my favorite passages. And look what it says. Just let this sink in. <clears throat> says the righteous, not people, not the unright, not the wicked, but the righteous will flourish. Everybody just say, I received that right there. I don't know what is coming, but I received that. Like a palm tree. We just talked about that. An ability to pop back up. And then it says, they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Look at this. Planted, somebody say planted, in the house of the Lord that they will flourish. Planted so they might flirt. Planted where? In the house of the Lord. 
in a life-giving place where his presence is welcome. And the activity of the Holy Spirit is always present. They are planted in the house that they might flourish, listen, in the courts of our God. To flourish means in the courts of our God is your purpose, what you're called and gifted to do, where you serve in life, in the courts of our God. Planted so that you might flourish. And then it says, I, I always put this in here, the B part, I'm sorry, the A part of verse 14. And you should read all the way to the end of the chapter. But it says, and they, the righteous will bear fruit. Some translations say, even in old age. How many of you are thankful? You're not old yet, but when you get old one day, you're going to be um, fruitful. Amen? And every pastor, they, they, they said the multi-generational ministry, that we have a lot of senior citizens who celebrate these young kids. And these young kids and the young adults going, I want one of them to mentor me. It's unlike anything I've ever seen and how beautiful it is. But the one thing it says, the righteous will flourish like palm trees. And then it says, listen to me, like the cedars of Lebanon. And that's not just some vague reference. Hear me. I have a friend who pastors the largest Protestant church in the whole country of Lebanon. When I first met him, I've read this. and It's one of my favorite passages. And I said to him, Shadi, what is, is it true that some cedar trees in your country are 2,000 years old? And I ask him that because some of the um, commentators on Scripture, they have said that. Well, you know, being a pastor, sometimes you go, are they just like, are they embellishing, you know, the Scripture? And so I said, are the cedars of Lebanon really or some of them 2,000 years old. He said, oh, Chuck, some of them are 5,000 years old. And he said, they have traced roots 150 miles away from the tree. It's incredible. And the Bible says, the righteous planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. <clears throat> we were out in Portland last fall, and one of the speakers referred to this awesome book, The Hidden Life of Trees. I'm a small town boy from Virginia, and North Georgia mountains are pretty, but they're not Virginia pretty. And um, the colors of the fall in North Georgia, they're pretty. In fact, they're really pretty, but they ain't Virginia pretty. Anybody driven up Interstate 81 or gone up into the Northeast in the fall, the colors, it's a whole nother level of brilliance. And so I grew up, <clears throat> many of you have heard me say this before, I love trees. I had friends in high school, you know, mentioned to me, you, you, we've never seen, you know, a person that's so enthralled by nature like you. But the Bible talks a lot about it. And the Bible says, the heavens declare the glory of our God. And the snowfall, and there's so many things that are just beautiful and worship and worshipful, and they speak of his awesomeness. Can I get a witness? And so in this book, The Hidden Life of Trees, it's an amazing read where um, Peter Waldman spent 30 years um, in the forest studying trees and to realize chapter 2 talks about how communal trees are and that they can't survive many of the species unless they're together and how there's an African acacia tree that when the giraffes come, it, 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 it's a height that giraffes can eat it and, and cause the tree to die. And when one of those acacia wood trees in Africa is being eaten, the leaves by a camel or a giraffe, I should say, um, it, it begins to emit this odor that makes the um, giraffe sick. And it sends that odor out within 100 meters to protect all the other trees. And that that giraffe will move, and they've learned, and they know exactly how to get 
100 meters away. And then they can start eating on that tree until it emits that same thing. It's remarkable how he calls it, they have an underground internet. Trees communicate to each other. And when the same species is planted and the roots are way down deep and they can sense that one of the other tree's root system is struggling, that they will literally not drink as much water so that their comrade can be nourished. All the wonders of our God and that we are made the same way. The righteous, they will, they're planted in the house of the Lord among a a system that supports each other that we might flourish in the courts of our God. Now, with that said, so we're talking about being rooted, grounded, which in this transient Atlanta culture, one of the hardest things to find is somebody that was born and raised in Atlanta. So transient, the internet, working at home, business travel, has, busyness has made us do everything but get rooted where we need to be rooted. And so I want to talk about, we're looking at just a couple passages of Scripture. And, and one is a very obscure passage. You've probably never heard a sermon preached on Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 and 45. Look what it says. These are the words of Jesus. <clears throat> when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through places seeking rest. An evil spirit. And when it does not, what's it looking for? Another person that it can rest in. And when it does not find it, then it says, I will return to the house I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house, look, unoccupied, swept clean, and here's our word, put into order. That's, that's, that's a house. It's clean. Everything's organized. It's ready for someone to live there. Verse 45 says, Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. There's five things that I want to just point out to you about these three verses. This is a powerful story, especially, and I don't have time to look at all the context, but one of it, the context you should know, Jesus, they come earlier in this passage, the disciples say, hey, they're baptizing or they're accusing you of being, a, you know, of the devil. And he says, a house divided against itself can't stand. And when you look at the context, the richness of these three verses, man, is there, and as your pastor I I plead with you, listen spiritually this morning. Five things. Number one, life is a spiritual experience. And spiritual warfare is inevitable. Can I get a witness? Come on, can I get a better witness? Whether you believe in it or not, you have an adversary. And he does not like you. He doesn't play fair. He never rests. He's relentless. Thank God for Barbara Williams and her teaching on spiritual warfare. Thank God for a church that realizes you don't just get saved, become a Boy Scout to an Eagle Scout with no resistance. Life is a spiritual experience. Whether you believe in it or not, want it or not, good boy, bad boy, it's inevitable. Number two, impure spirits do come out of a person. You know, Jesus walked into the temple for the first time in the synagogue. And who recognized him? The demons did. And, but how many of you know, when Jesus comes in, the demons go out. Greater is he who is in us and who is in you, hopefully, than he who is in the world. So warfare is real, but demons do get removed. They get Cast out. Come on, somebody. Number three, the devil. 
that impure controlling spirit, when he gets cast out or he gets removed, he wants to come back. And he says to himself, I will return to the house I left. Number four, here's the deal. The devil then brings stronger spirits, demonic entities to come and live there. And man, have I seen this happen where people come to Christ, they get their life swept, clean, put back in order, but they're not equipped for a real adversary who comes back with seven of his senior demons and they just take over that house. And this is why we're seeing a generation of Christians deconstruct their faith. This is why many are giving up on the church. There's hypocrisy and a lot of other things. But this is what the enemy does. And he makes that life, that house, way worse than it was when it originally started. Number five, the final condition is worse than the first when just one impure spirit lived there. And we're going to come back to this story in just a few minutes at the end. But Father, I just pray for ears to hear what the Spirit says to each of us today, Lord. As we come out of Kairos and we look to move forward in this season of powerful, impactful ministry. Now, I want to read from Ephesians chapter 4. I think this is our third passage that I want to mention to you today. Um, Ephesians 4, I mentioned it Tuesday night before as we started the service. So it says in verse 11, look. So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. Then we will no longer be infants. We'll be rooted and grounded, flourishing, not tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there. The message translation, listen, it says, no prolonged infancies among us, please. We'll not tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are easy prey for predators. God wants us to grow up to know the whole truth. Everybody look here. Um, Oh, man, I, I'm, I'm talking to you. This is conversational. This is pastoral, family meeting. Um, and even the mentioning of that, there's no doubt there's somebody in here going, is this an apostolic church? Is this a new apostolic reformation church? NAR? And I know that there are crazy movements out there. And I stand against some of them. But the enemy will make biblical ideas taboo. To do what? To uproot you from the place that God planted you. Come on, somebody. And just to mention, the Bible says Christ himself gave the church apostles, one who is sent, and prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And thank God we have all five of those offices. Now, we don't, none of them do we say this is Apostle Munn. We don't even, we rarely even say, well, let me just say, people who come and go, I'm Apostle so-and-so or Evangelist so-and-so. Y'all know, we're all suspicious of that. Like, if you have to tell me your title, you probably got a title, but you ain't got no power or authority in your life. And that's the truth. I don't, if that sounds, well, it is, because there will be people on occasion that introduce me on their first time, and they'll say, I'm minister so-and-so. And, -so. and um, I always red flags, you know. Y'all out there, everybody's still hanging on this morning? Like, wow, this is a family meeting. It is. So you behave so you don't get spanked right here in front of God and everybody. But, e like, even me, um, there's such a fine line. Like, I love the fact that a lot of people call me PC. I like it for... Um, because it's formally informal. Because you get from me probably how you view me. 
And if, you just, if I'm just Chuck, you know, just one of the dudes, you need a pastor. You don't need me to be a friend. You need me to be a loving pastor. Now we're going to have friendship. And I, I don't even know where it started. It started in our last church. Somebody just started calling me PC. That was back before politically correct was even a term. And I know that, that trip, some of y'all out like, he is the most un-PC person I've ever been around in my life. But, but it's, it's, it allows people to call me Pastor Chuck without me, without us getting all formal. But hear me, in this church, like, we have an apostolic influence. Uh, Pastor Mike Adkins, um, Tom Madden, Frank DiMazio. Those are people. Um, Pastor Munn has a unique role in this church. He's more a teacher, pastor than an apostolic voice. But you, you want your pastor to have people who speak into his life, good stuff and challenging stuff. Um, and it says they, the Lord gave the church apostles. How many of you are thankful for it? We have people with, who have oversight, you know, senior leadership that, that can provide care for us. Y'all out there. The second thing, you know, prophets. And, and y'all know I'm wired prophetically, and pastorally, and those are, that's a conflict I have. But you want to have some prophetic influence here. What's a prophet do? More than speaking about the future, they call things as they are. There's no gray area. You want a pastor that, that black is black and white is white, and there's not any gray, not just a little bit of gray. How many of you know we need a prophetic influence in the church? that stands up and lovingly with tears in their eyes often says, this is what God's word says. And that's what the prophet wants. And we don't have anybody in this church, as far as I know, that walks around and says, I'm prophet Ramsey or prophet Candace. You know, thank God for it. But there is a strong prophetic influence in this church. Some of you have that gift. Some of you receive words of knowledge, you know, way more than the rest of us. And, and thank God that we have that influence. The second thing, uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists. Thank God we have people who have the gift of evangelism, and they love seeing people get saved. How many of you know you need the, that office active in the church? But um, if all we have are evangelists, we're going to have a room full of new converts that don't ever get taught or cared for, and they don't mature. Um, but we need the evangelist, and then the pastor. Thank God we have a There's a strong, everybody listen, there's a strong pastoral capacity in this church. That's why God's honoring it. And listen, that's why it truly does feel like a family. But hear this, the 24 different people group leaders and hosts, all of them have high capacity to provide pastoral care. And you need that. And if you're in this church, when you go through a crisis, if you're not in a people group, you're not going to get the same level of care and support. It's impossible. Because the staff, you know, our plates are full. Now we're going to care, we're going to be there we're going to pray. We're going to love on you. But there's nothing like being in a people group with 25 people that they've been watching you pray for your mother. They've been bringing meals to you. And that's high pastoral capacity. How many of you know the Bible really meant to say um, planted in a good people group that you might flourish in the restoration church? Amen? But that's, that's what that means. And there's high pastoral. But listen. If, and this is the problem with the American church. We value pastor-teacher, but really in most places, it's pastor-entertainer, talker, TED talker. And the pastoral gifting, if that's all we have in the church, then it's all about love. We love you, we support you, we don't judge you. We're never gonna tell you what the Bible really says. We're gonna cherry pick all the pastoral, loving, shepherding verses, and everybody's going to be smiling and feeling better every Sunday when they leave, but their lives are going to be in shambles 
But we need the pastors. Can I get a witness? And then lastly, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Pastor Munn is a, the quintessential pastor teacher. And uh, yes, amen. He, he has a tremendous gift of teaching, but he's not the only one. Like what Barbara's doing. Everywhere I go, Pastor Arvo's right. Like the staff, we here. I've never been through Barbara's class, but I've known her for 40 years. And, but I can't tell you the time, time somebody's in my office, I'm counseling them, or we're talking through a situation, especially new converts. Some of y'all are smiling right now. That class changed your life. It changed your life. It brought a level of freedom. It equipped you, gave you tools to stand up when that demon and his seven seniors come back to try and get in your house. You've learned how to lock that door and keep him out. Y'all out there? And there's other teaching, great teaching. Um, we bring in Mike Atkins, many others. And so listen, this week, again, this is a family meeting. Thank you for letting us have a week of revival services. It's not easy to find. When you run a, when you pastor a restoration church that's biblically sound, spiritually hungry, discerning, it's not easy to find four speakers to come in that can hit the ball. But we did this week. But y'all heard some, y'all heard some preaching this week, like the, the, Suburbs on the north side of town in a predominantly white church hadn't ever heard. But y'all were up out of your seats, acting like a bunch of crazy fanatics for Jesus. And didn't it feel good? Now, and I, we thought, man, Pastor Bishop, Kevin Wallace, when he comes in here, John Gray, an African-American preacher, said about Bishop Wallace, he's the greatest black preacher in America. He's not even black. But you all were able to go, okay, he's functioning in the role of evangelist or pastor. We'll get Pastor Chuck back and Pastor Munn back. But this is a week of, of pressing in, of seeking the Lord, of saying, bring it. We brought you all the way in from New York City or Orlando or, China, or wherever you came from. And we have gathered to hear the word of the Lord. And I want to just commend you. And not only are you, were you open to say, God, what are you saying? I want to receive it. But I, I thank God that you learned. How, do you, how does a church go through revival? And I believe God wants us to embrace these lessons. That's why I'm, I'm teaching you this this morning. Because revival's coming to restoration. Too many prophetic words. There's too much hunger in this church. Too much praying and fasting for God to not honor it. Are y'all out there? So it's coming. And I want to commend you. You come on Sunday night and you go, oh my goodness, was that great. You come on Monday. And y'all didn't come like a bunch of emotional junkies. You came and said, all right, Lord. What is it tonight? What are you serving? You came on Tuesday night. What are you serving? And then you come on Wednesday night, and we get a much more pastoral message than we did the early. But you, I didn't hear anybody say, oh, man, Monday night was my favorite. Wednesday night was my favorite. I heard people just talking about what God was doing at Restoration Church. Is this making sense to anybody? I hope so. Now, um, in the message, it says, no prolonged infancies among us, please, will not tolerate babes in the woods. You know what that means? You know, when, when the toddlers get outside of the safety zone, and it, these classes that we're offering, the new believers class, first things first, um, Barbara stuff going, um, not this Thursday, but the next Thursday, we will start our uh, model man Thursday morning breakfast again. Everybody listen. And we're going to read through the New Testament together. There's no other book we're selling. We've ordered a hundred and some copies of um, the Daily Walk, Walk Through the Bible. 
where men, I'm going to teach you how to read the word and hear the Holy Spirit speak. I love what Pastor Jeremy said when he says in his church, when you read the Bible, he said, everybody shouts out, it'll talk to you. And, and so model man, we don't start this Thursday, but next Thursday, the Bibles aren't here. They'll be here next Sunday, so you can purchase them then. This Saturday is our real men breakfast at 7 o'clock in the gym. And I want to see you men get in there. Everybody listen. We, we don't sit around and talk football. We talk a little bit about football because we're, we're, we're real men. Um, but, but, and, and, and these are guys that live in the real world. But those men who... And when Pastor Javon on Sunday night started challenging the men, did y'all feel that spirit rise up in here? All over this room, men stood up to their feet, say, oh, you can't challenge us. You don't know, Pastor Javon. You're messing with the wrong church when you start talking, picking on the men. Did you feel that in here? I about ran around this place or went up here and tackled him or something, but his shoulders were too broad for me. But so... We're no longer, no prolonged infancies, no 48-year-old no men shaving, carrying a passy. Because we're going to disciple and care for men. This is a place where you, where you can get planted that you might flourish. Amen? All right, now, in closing, the last passage. I want to read this. I think it's the last passage, yeah. Mark chapter 4, again, we're talking about rooted, planted in the house of the Lord. Look what it says, verse 2. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed as he was scattering the seed. Anybody know what the seed is? The seed is the what? The word. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. Some, everybody say path. The birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places. Say rocky places. Path and rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered away because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns. Everybody say it. Come on, thorns. Path, rocky places, and thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. They were alive, they grew up, but they weren't fruitful. Verse 8, still other seed fell on good soil. Come on, somebody, say good soil. Turn and tell him, say, tell somebody, now. he's finally talking about me, good soil. Turn and tell somebody, unless you're a rocky place. Um, it came up. Y'all, this is possible. And it produced a crop, some multiplying 30 times, some 60, some 100 times. And then Jesus said, in the message it says, listen to me, really listen. And I just declare, 30 is the least. How many of you take 30 in your husband right now? 60. How many of you... Wouldn't it be awesome if God could find a church where he goes, I can do a hundred, I can multiply a hundred times there. Come on, just lift your hands and tell the Lord, that's who we are. We're going to be good soil where the word gets planted. Now, the disciples occasionally would say, you're going to have to break that down. And what he did in verse 13, he said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. And there are people here in this room, that's, that's been your story. And I just, I just say with authority, Holy Spirit, plow up their hearts, Lord. Give us good soil, better soil. He sows the word, verse 14. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, comes and steals it. Verse 16, others like seed sown, so seed sown on rocky places, they hear the word and at once. They like it. They receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. It's way too many people. They love the word. 
The word's powerful. They receive it with joy. But they don't get rooted. And he takes them out too. It lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, not if it comes, but when, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but oh God, this is a bunch of us. Anxiety, stress, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the willingness to work hard and sacrifice your family because you think more is the answer. That's the deceitfulness of wealth. And the desires for other things come in and they, the word's there, it just chokes the word. And they, <coughs> gotta go to the bathroom. The preaching's too hard. Making it unfruitful. Verse 20, others like seeds sown on good soul, hear the word, accept it. Like Mary, may it be unto me according to your word. That's all you needed to say. And then it produces a crop, some 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. The path, the birds came and ate it up immediately. The rocky places, the seeds sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. When the sun came up, plants got scorched. I've seen that happen in a garden. Thorns, weeds grew up, choked this, the word. Good soil, 30, 60, 100. Brothers and sisters, I want to come back to that first passage I read. I want you to put yourself, you are a house. Your spiritual life is a house. Has the enemy been evicted? Are you swept, clean, and in order, and vulnerable? Look what he says. I want to read it one more time. Matthew 12. When it, the impure spirit, arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition is worse. You know what that's a picture of? That's a person that has come to Christ but hasn't engaged in the journey. They're not in the Word and they're not filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is so many Christians in the West, in our community. Do you know how many times I hear people come and they'll say, I never even heard of the Holy Spirit my whole life how can you be in a christian church that is a bible preaching church and never be taught what life in the spirit is there's so many other passages that we could go to that support what do you need to get in that house that's clean swept in order unoccupied the holy spirit when the holy spirit is invited into your Christian journey. You baptize in the Holy Spirit. Understand the importance of learning how to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. When you get caught in traffic and that old lady doesn't use her blinker or she pulls right in front of you, going 15 miles under the speed limit, the Holy Spirit rises up and says, be careful, she might be on her way to Restoration Church too. How many of you know the Holy Spirit will do that? And your flesh goes, I want. And you have a choice. All the conversations in your marriage, with your children, job choices. Whew. And so I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, may Holy Spirit not just get this place, this church swept, clean, in order. But may he be the one that makes us not vulnerable. He makes us invincible in the name of Jesus. I want to ask you to just stand with me in the name of Jesus. Now, what kind of soil has the word fallen on in your heart this morning? How many of you after lunch or brunch, whatever you eat, will you even be able to recall 
what God said to you this morning? How many of you want it to be 30, 60, or 100 fold? How many of you will say, I want to be bolstered up to defend my house. So fill me up, Holy Spirit. Can we sing testimony? Uh, that, yeah, we can sing that. Can, are, are we in the right key? Get us there and just get those words ready. Because the lyrics in that song, this is our testimony. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, um, I pray for every person in here. Reveal to them the reality and the beauty and the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you right here, you need to, before you get in your car, go on Amazon and order The God I Never Knew by Robert Morris. To just simply read that book and understand Holy Spirit is what you need. You don't need another trip to an altar to get swept clean, put back in order. You need the Holy Spirit to come in and fill you up. How many of you, don't raise your hand if you don't mean it. How many of you say, Lord, fill me up. Holy Spirit, come use me, impact me. Lord, make me powerful for you. World changer, difference maker. Every room I walk in, may I bring your presence, your power. May spiritual activity increase because I'm in the room and your spirit is moving in. Come on, somebody, lift your hands right now. Tell the Lord, tell the Lord, tell the Lord, you tell the Lord. I want more, I want more, I want more, I want more. Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Come on, some of you need to tell him, Lord, give me a new wineskin. I've been doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Give me a new wineskin. Fill me up, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Turn and put your hands on somebody's shoulders right next to you. Pray a real prayer. Tell them, Father, I pray for breakthrough, fresh outpouring, Holy Spirit empowerment, a love for the word, world changers. The spirit of revival is in this place and we're gonna nurture it, Lord. Thank you, Father, for apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Thank you for a church that says, we're not gonna allow any prolonged infancy. No 45-year-old men walking around in diapers in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. testimony from death to life God's grace rewrote my story I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified this is my testimony this is my testimony can we do the second verse in a second Fall like lightning, he got cast out quickly. I saw darkness run for cover. Come on. But the miracle that I just can't get over, my name is registered in heaven. Come on. And I believe in sons and daughters. Oh, I have resurrection power. This is the song. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things. Oh, All right, hold up. Just softly play right there. When we sing songs like this, you need to drop out and sit down if you don't believe what we're singing. All right, so now's the time. All skate slowly and carefully. If you don't believe it, go ahead and sit down. Now y'all ready? If I'm not dead, he's not done. Here we go. If I'm not dead, you're not done. 
Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. As you leave and go out today, I'm praying that all week long, the seed of his word, the problem wasn't the seed. It was the condition of the heart. And so I just thank you, Father, that you have tenderized our hearts all week. Now let seed come up, planted in the house of the Lord that we might flourish in the courts of our God. In Jesus' name, as you leave, I pray that you're blessed this morning. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. I receive it. In Jesus' name. Love y'all. Have a great morning. A good week. <laughs>